This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I want to talk about uh, a verse that really popped out at me over the past, I think, week-ish. I've mentioned before where one or two of the verses that I've talked about previously have come from. We have a little a little whiteboard in our kitchen, lunchroom kind of thing here at the office. And there was a verse on there from 2 Timothy chapter 1 that, you know, there will be little encouragements for all of us as we're doing day in, day out ministry, reminders of why we're doing it, reminders to keep doing what we're doing. And sometimes they're Bible verses, sometimes they're just kind of little inspirational quote sort of things. But the one that was up there last week, like I said, was 2 Timothy 1. And I'm going to read the verses that surround it because I want you to, to get a little bit of a feel of the context here. So Paul is writing to Timothy and he's encouraging him from what we can tell from different things that Paul writes about and talks about here. Timothy is a younger guy that has been in leadership, has stepped into leadership and is kind of walking that path of being young enough that it seems like sometimes his decisions are called into question for no reason other than his age. And so maybe you remember if you grew up in the church, you probably were taught this verse when you were younger. Don't let anyone look down on you for your youth. That's also something not in this passage, but something that Paul wrote to Timothy to remind him, kind of like these little Uh, verses that are written up on our little whiteboard in our lunchroom to remind him of why he's doing what he's doing, why it's important that he keeps doing what he's doing, and just kind of keeping in front of him the value, the significance, the, I know I just used this word, but the importance of what he's doing. And so Paul writes this in 2 Timothy Chapter 1, starting in verse 5, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So that's the passage that we're going to be looking at and talking about in this episode. And the verse that really jumped out at me, the verse that was up on this whiteboard, was verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. 
And the rest of that verse is Paul talking about Timothy's specific gift, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, we know that Paul specifically here in this section is writing to Timothy about a specific thing that Timothy is dealing with and experiencing. And so when he says, I want you to fan into flame this gift that's in you through the laying on of my hands, he's writing that to Timothy. So what I'm trying to clarify there is that sometimes it's really easy for us to just take a passage and say, okay, that is directly talking to me. And I think that's a great first instinct, but we have to look at it because obviously Paul hasn't laid his hands on any of us and imparted a gift to us. So when we see that part of the verse, it kind of makes us go, okay, wait a sec, does this really even apply to me? And even though uh, the gift that he's encouraging Timothy to fan into flame has a unique background to it, has a unique, um, not expression, but a unique origin that is not something that we share in common with Timothy. What we do share in common with him is needing to fan into flame the gifts that God has given us. And, you know, maybe when you hear that little phrase, that fan into flame, you picture if you're a camper or if you, you know, like to roast marshmallows or whatever, maybe you've uh, started a bunch of campfires in your life. But for some of you listening, maybe that's not something that you've done. Uh For me, I didn't grow up camping. I've had some experiences doing this kind of thing. And if you left me on my own today, I could start a little campfire. It probably wouldn't be done professionally or to many people's standards, but I could get something going that would start and catch on fire. The big logs would be burning. I could do it, okay? And I want to tell you how that happens. And if you're listening and you're going, man, I know so much more about campfires than you're going to know in 10 lifetimes, then you might hear something and go, well, that's not the ideal way to do it or that's not the reason this does that. But when you go to start a campfire, the important thing is that you create a, a really flammable small, it's called kindling, this stuff that you can light up quick. So that's why you see people put, uh, you know, newspaper, you'll see people put super old dried twigs or leaves or whatever. They put that at the bottom. And then your next layer is kind of little, uh, little bigger sticks and twig, kind of the next size up. And as you're building this campfire or the pile that you're going to light on fire, you put your big 
full logs that are going to burn for a while. You put those on top in kind of a TP shape or whatever you want to, you know, I think that's a good way to do it, but I'm sure there's a better way, like I said. And so what you do at the beginning is you light this small stuff at the bottom. And as you light it, you do something kind of counterintuitive. You know, maybe you remember from science class that flame needs oxygen in order to burn, but it still feels weird to blow on this fire as it's getting started because you think, well, I blow on a candle if I want to put it out. But when you're doing a campfire, you're blowing onto it or fanning, like this passage says, fanning the flame. If you have, you know, a, a sheet of cardboard or wood or something that you can use to move a little bit of air and you're sending oxygen, you're breathing life into that fire especially when it's at a, a very early stage or it's at kind of those embers where the small kindling stuff has mostly burned up, but you still see that there's that, you know, those little flecks or speckles of fire and burning something in there. If you blow on those, you watch them turn more and more orange, red, yellow as they're just lighting up. And what Paul's telling Timothy to do is to fan into flame the gift of God. And I want to challenge all of us. I want to ask all of us in Paul's specific writing to Timothy, he's writing about something that it seems pretty clear that what Timothy is dealing with is timidity or fear. That's kind of his big hindrance. And Paul specifically mentions, don't be ashamed that I'm in jail. Don't be kind of thrown or distracted or, you know, don't let that derail you. And I try to put myself in Timothy's position. And I thought through, okay, what would it feel like if my mentor, if the guy who taught me about the importance of preaching the gospel, the way that I'm preaching it, he taught me, you know, not everything I know, but that's the phrase we use sometimes. That guy is in jail. And I try to think how I would feel. Because he's in jail for doing what he taught me how to do, preaching. And I think I would feel, obviously I would feel weird about that. That I'm going out there and I'm doing the exact thing that got him in trouble. So part of me would be wondering, okay, is that my future too? Am I headed down the going to jail path? But I wonder, too, if there would have been part, like Paul says, don't be ashamed. I wonder if I partly would have felt ashamed. Like, man, how, how did this happen? Like, when you hear that someone's in jail, even if it's not a, um, a just situation like it is here with 
uh, with Paul from just preaching, you know, and it's, it's really hard for us in an American context to wrap our heads around, you know, because freedom of speech is such a fundamental foundational piece of what it means to live here. But Paul's in jail for preaching for his freedom of speech, which he didn't have. And if my mentor, if I'm Timothy, my mentor's in jail for that, I think I maybe would feel a little bit ashamed. You know, you think about when you're talking to people and going, hey, so what's Paul up to these days? I know you and him are really close. Yeah, yeah, he's in jail right now. Oh, that's not right. What did he do? You know, and you have to go into this whole explanation thing. And Paul's kind of reminding him that even though this biggest hindrance for you is fear, instead of giving in to that, spend your time fanning into flame your gift. And like I said, Paul isn't writing this section directly to us. But we definitely can learn from that, can't we? Because we know that we all have gifts. They didn't come through the laying on of Paul's hands. Some of them came through the way that we're wired. Some of them came through Uh, something that we really spent time day in, day out, practicing, learning, working on, honing. And some of them we, we can't really explain. You know, some of the things that God gifts us to do, they really are things that we go, this is a gift from God. Uh, this, this, I mean, I'm, part of our natural wiring, we say that too, right? This is just a natural gift from God. But there are other times where, I don't know if you know anyone in your life who has a story similar to this, but my dad started the ministry winning at home in 1995 as a speaker. So he would go around Uh, to churches and preach and teach. And he didn't start out his career or his life that way. He was a a financial administrator at a hospital. That's what his uh, initial training and degree was in accounting. And that's what he was doing. And when, uh, when he felt like God was calling him to ministry, this would have been probably right around the time that I was born, um, he, he told my mom and she said, but Dan, you can't preach. And he said, well, I, I know. And he figured out, okay, maybe I could borrow some notes from my brother. He's a pastor and I could try to preach that. And it, it didn't go good. And For people, I don't know if you're listening and you're around West Michigan, if you uh, have had the chance to hear him speak, it's really good. And and when I think of what it looks like, kind of for God to gift somebody in a way, 
that's what I think of. And maybe you know somebody who has maybe not that same story, maybe not even a super similar story, but a story where it wasn't an initial natural gift that this person had. It was something that they worked toward, but it also felt like there was an element of God giving this gift to this person. Um, I'm just reminded of how he works through us when we're faithful to exercise, to use the gifts that he's given to us. And so I just started thinking through what does it look like for us to fan into flame our gifts? I've spent some time talking in the past about how my, my primary gift that I think of is to think through things. And for me, one of the ways that I can sharpen that gift, one of the ways that I really am challenged and grow and have more of an ability to use that gift is when I spend time uh, reading things that challenge me and stretch me. That's what it looks like for me to fan into flame my gift. Now, for some of you, that sounds like torture, right? You go, I don't want to sit down and read. That's not my thing at all. And so I I tried to think through, okay, if I'm in a different spot, if I'm wired a different way, if my life circumstances are wildly different than what they are right now, what would it look like to fan into flame the gift of God? Now, last episode, I talked about several different spiritual practices to kind of uh, refocus, recenter, recalibrate ourselves toward focusing in more and more on God. And maybe for you, fanning into flame your gift, it comes out of getting into some of those practices. Um, There's a I don't even know where this book crossed my path. Maybe it's something that uh, my wife picked up at some point, but there's a book called, it's either called Do the Next Right Thing or The Next Right Thing. It's one of those two, I think, the title. And that little phrase, I think it connects with us because we all, in the back of our minds or maybe in the front of our minds, we kind of know what the next right thing is for us to do. And maybe we haven't done it because it's a little too much sacrifice. Maybe we haven't done it because it's a little too intimidating. Maybe we haven't done it because it's a little too much work. I, I don't know. But I think one of the ways we fan into flame our gift is doing the next right thing. So then I'm just going to read through Uh, I've got, let's see, five or six questions here. And maybe some of these are like, oh, okay, that doesn't really um, connect with me. But, you know, maybe the next one will. So some of these are super practical. Does it mean getting more sleep? Because you know you don't really have the energy that it takes to do a whole lot with your gift. You're just kind of getting by 
And yeah, I think you get it. Does it mean doing more self-care, getting more exercise, eating better? uh, So you have more energy to do some of the things that you know you need to do. Maybe it's a matter of figuring out how to set yourself up for success. Uh, Oh, I already asked this. Does it mean doing some of the practices I talked about last episode? Does it mean uh, pulling the trigger on some kind of training or schooling? Have you been going back and forth and going, yeah, I kind of know what I need to do. I know what I feel like God's leading me into, but um, man, that's going to be pretty disruptive and I don't know. Um, Paul reminds us, fan into flame the gifts that God gave us. Um, Here's the final one that I wrote down in this, of course, as I always say, not even close to an exhaustive list. There are so many different things we can do, uh, but does it mean giving up some of the time you spend currently on a hobby or on something like that that you just enjoy? You know, when I think about how much of my time is spent sitting watching NBA games, um, I know that there's some time there that I could clean it up, that I could... uh, use that what would be free time if I scaled back a little to spend more time sleeping, to spend more time reading, to spend more time doing some of the things that I've talked about here that I know put me in a position to sharpen the gift, to sharpen uh, my ability and capacity to be faithful to the way that God has gifted me. And, you know, maybe I read through my whole list and you go, it sounds like you just said a whole bunch of things that were your things, but they don't really connect with me. I I would encourage you, if that's the case, spend a little bit of time today thinking, man, what are some ways that I can fan into flame, that I can really breathe life into the way that I'm wired, the gifts that God has given me, the things that I've worked hard at to uh, develop or learn or grow, what can I do to take that to the next level? Because what Paul's encouraging Timothy and the truth that we can all take away from that is to figure out what's holding us back. And for Timothy, he pointed it right out, said it's, it's fear, it's timidity. Find out what it is for us. I'm guessing for many of us, it's busyness or tiredness. And that's why I highlighted the things I highlighted. Uh, But maybe for you, your block, your holdup is something different. And what Paul encourages Timothy, and by extension, what we're reminded of the importance of, is to find the way for us to fan into flame the gifts that God has given to us. We want to be faithful in using them. We want to be faithful in serving him. And one of the ways we do that, one of the steps that we take, 
is by fanning into flame those gifts, by spending time intentionally taking things to the next level. So let's go do that.